Welcome to today's State and Local Tax Podcast. I'm Kathy Stanton, the leader of the State and Local Tax Group here at Cherry Beckert, and I'm joined by Tony Conkle, a manager in our SALT group and also an attorney, uh, to discuss pass-through entities and options and opportunities for them within the state of Georgia this year. To give you some background, we're going to be specifically talking about pass-through entity tax elections. If you have not heard about this, you really need to get up to speed. If you are a pass-through entity, an S-corporation or a partnership or an LLC treated as a partnership, because there may be significant uh, opportunities to reduce your federal taxes now that these pass-through entity elections are in play. Basically, how this works, I'm sure everyone, if you're listening to the news in the past couple of years, uh, there has been a limitation to the amount of state and local taxes that you can deduct on your federal tax return as an itemized deduction. You are capped at only $10,000 that you can deduct. For flow-through entities, that means that even if you make billions of dollars at the pass-through entity level, because that income flows through on your individual return, any state income tax return or state income tax liability related to that return, you can only deduct up to $10,000. So that is a significant hardship really for pass-through entities that have a lot of state income tax. Whereas if you are in a C-Corp form, you can deduct all your state income taxes. So there's a big disparity there. So the states have come forward with pass-through entity tax workarounds that the IRS has pretty much given a a head nod to that, yes, this should work. Uh, And that happened at the end of uh, 2020, I believe. And now we've had a flurry, or was it 21, Tony? 2020. I think that was 2020. The IRS notice, 2020. Yes, 2020, um, yeah, was the notice. Yeah, just had to had to check my dates there. Um, but that has caused a flurry of legislation and various entities to allow these pass-through entity elections. It's a it's a zero game or zero uh, change in tax revenue for the states because they're just they don't care whether the entity pays it or the individual pays it. They get the same amount of tax. So they were very quick to say, yeah, we'll we'll in- enact this to help our residents so that they can get a bigger federal tax deduction, especially states such as New York and California uh, that have very high tax rates. The federal government really kind of subsidizes some of that state tax by allowing that deduction. So they were very quick in in allowing that subsidy to go back into place by enacting this legislation. So um, anyway, uh, from a general perspective, you generally just make an election at the pass-through entity level. I want the tax to be imposed at the pass-through entity level, not on my ownership level at my ownership level. And then you pay the tax at the entity level. Voila, state income taxes are deductible in my K-1 income that flow to me on my individual tax return. And then you get, you actually get the benefit of that deduction. So that that was a, a brief recap. But one thing to know is that each of the states are different. Unfortunately, there was no uniform legislation that all the states adopted. Each are different. They have their quirks. They have different eligibility requirements, all kinds of different things that come into play. But there are 29 states plus New York City that allow this election now. So for any profitable pass-through entities where you have a lot of state-apportioned income in a state that allows a pass-through entity tax election, you need to look at this because there will be significant benefits at the federal level if you qualify. 
And if you miss certain timelines, such as when an original tax return is required, you may not be able to actually make the election retroactively. So it's very important to make sure you don't miss that, that election date. So that was probably a longer intro than I wanted to give, <laughs> Tony. I'm sorry about that. Um, but I, I feel I start... like these take a lot of like introduction, you know, know, explanation of like, how did we actually get to this point? Right, right. And if someone hasn't heard about it before, they need, you know, that background. Yeah. So let's you know, I'm talk thinking as you're saying this, like, gosh, it sounds really easy. But unfortunately, it's just not quite that easy <laughs> once you get on the ground floor and start doing these. We know. were hoping it was easy, but it yeah. has not turned out to be easy. That's yeah, as I sure. spent so much time in the weeds here, like uh, yeah. really in this realm of these elections for various states. I thought, gosh, if only it were that easy when we're putting it into practice. but Right, exactly. Yeah. So today let's talk about Georgia's election. So talk about, so when did Georgia's election come into play? What are the specific nuances? Who qualifies? Um, just let's talk about Georgia's. Okay, so uh, Georgia House Bill 149 was enacted in May of 2021. So uh, with this piece of legislation, um, Georgia says their past serenity election is first available for the 2022 tax year or for fiscal year taxpayers, a tax year beginning on or after January 1st, 2022. So interestingly enough, when this bill was passed in May of 2021, Georgia was uh, sometimes it's really hard to track every specific date here, but I think about state number 10 who had uh, passed some kind of workaround in response to the salt cap of the TCJA. Um, but yet they kind of deferred their election to 2022, maybe to be able to gear up for it and produce forms mm -hmm. and guidance in the meantime. So it's just kind of interesting to see of how like we're really dealing with Georgia now, especially as you know a lot of taxpayers want to make payments before the end of the year. And I'm like, wow, this piece of legislation was passed a year and a half ago. Yeah. <laughs> they were we only state every, number 10. How about yeah, that? Yeah, we should know everything about it by now. But let me yeah. interject. Just You made a really good point. So to get a deduction in 2022, which is we are at December, you know, in December 2022, um, if you're a cash basis taxpayer, the pass-through entity itself is going to need to make a payment by the end of 2022 to get that deduction for 2022. So that's really, really important for people to understand. If you're an accrual basis taxpayer, you may have some more, some additional time into 2023. Um, but so this is why it's critical kind of right now to really, really make those payments to get the deduction. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, right now, I mean, uh, we're at about, yeah, 30 jurisdictions. I say New York City became the first city to have an election. So technically 29 states. Uh, yeah. But no, a nice round states. number of 30. And as of where things stand right now in December, um, there's three more states that have introduced some legislation um, to enact their own. But I think it's down to 10 states now that have an income tax that haven't enacted or at least introduced okay. some type of salt salt cap workaround for past okay. serenities. So, so who, yeah, who qualifies in Georgia then? Georgia, uh, S corporations and any entity tax is a partnership for federal income tax purposes. So um, all your categories are limited liability entities, but as long as they're a 1065 filer for federal income tax purposes. Um, Georgia interestingly has kind of a very strict eligibility requirement for their mm -hmm. election though. Uh, S-Corps, as long as you know, you're know you an S-Corp for federal income tax purposes, you're going to be okay there. But as a bit of a shortcut, 
to the eligibility requirements instead of listing out individuals, certain categories of trusts, you know, that could be eligible owners of an entity who can elect. They just said refer to IRC 1361, uh, the federal statute for who can be shareholders of an S corp, but for partnerships. So um, a, a lot of time trying to explain the eligibility to people like that's an S corp. You know, statue. No, no, no. Georgia used that, but for partnerships, this is a way to just yeah. say, if you could be an S corp shareholder, you can be. Uh, a, if you're 100 percent owned by uh, owners who could be, owner. could be, could yeah. be, yeah, could be shareholders yeah. in S corp, then um, that is an entity that is eligible to make the election. So, so you can't be owned by a partnership or a C corp. No. You can't. So you basically have to be owned by. Um, an owner that is eligible to be an S-Corp owner in order that to is, qualify. That is correct. Okay. So if you have a partnership with another partnership or an S-Corp or C-Corporation as an owner, even if it's just a 1% owner, that partnership is going to be ineligible to make the election for and Georgia. And there comes, I guess, the opportunity. Can you do some mm. restructuring so that you have income in the in an entity that's only owned by eligible owners? Correct. Yeah. There's a, you know, a possibility there of, you know, maybe bundling all the individuals into another partnership or something in between. Um, now, how 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 does it mechanically work then? How does the how does the um, owner actually get a savings and how does the uh, and how did the owner not get kind of double taxed with regard to this election? So uh, one approach Georgia has taken, and states really differ on the approach here, is that the income that's taxed at the entity level is going to be that entity's Georgia apportioned income. Oh, okay. And that's going to be for residents and non-residents. So okay. if the entity only operates in Georgia, there's no apportionment. All the income is Georgia source income. But in the multi-state context, if the entity operates in multiple states, um, it's only going to be that Georgia portioned income for all of the owners that's going to be in the base of income that that tax is computed on. Got so it. for Georgia residents, you know, it's some relief, but, you know, it, it kind of helps simplify the calculation there because Georgia resident, you're still going to be taxed on all of your income in your resident state. Um, so if you know only a portion of the income is earned in Georgia, it doesn't quite capture all of that income that's taxed at the individual, but it's some measure of release, yeah. relief, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and that actually um, isn't as advantageous as some other states. There's some other states like North Carolina, Virginia, and California where you can include the entire K-1 income of a resident, mm -hmm. which is great uh, from a benefit perspective. But but George is just not one of those. Yeah, yeah, and maybe they just wanted to have a straightforward, simple approach, and they're yeah. not the only state to do it. Maryland would be another state that just does a portion yes. income for all of the owners. So this is just another one of those areas where, you know, states kind of did this or that, you know, mm -hmm. and this is one I could understand for Georgia, then it's just a more straightforward calculation for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, the rate of tax is 5.75%, which would be the highest tax bracket for Georgia for individuals. So like many other states, um, the tax rate is going to be usually for state with a flat income tax for individuals. It's going to be just the state's individual rate or the state's highest marginal tax rate for states that have tax brackets. Yeah. Um, so how they kind of claim this benefit um, or at least not be double taxed on it, because ultimately the benefit is that federal deduction. Yes. Um, Georgia has kind of an interesting approach here where they're called it 
we call it income reduced method state. So another area where states kind of do one method or the other. Um, that Georgia individual, when they go to file their own personal return, um, like most other states, they're going to start with all of their income. Um, but what they will get is a subtraction from their taxable income for the amount of income that was taxed at the entity level. Got so it. after that subtraction, the income that remains would be just the remainder of their, per, you know, their individual income subject to Georgia's personal tax rate. Um, other states take approach of a credit. So mm -hmm. on the other hand, instead of just taking a subtraction for income that was already taxed, they would still calculate their tax due at the individual level and then just use a credit, which would be in proportion to their share of the tax that was paid by the entity to offset the amount of tax due. Just yeah, another way of kind like, of getting to the same result to make it neutral and not be taxed twice. Yeah, and that really falls in line with the existing Georgia statutes, where if an S corporation, for example, were taxed as a C corp, if they didn't make the S election in North in New York or New Jersey, then and they were legitimately taxed at the entity level, Georgia's provisions were you remove that income from the return. But if the individual had to file a tax return in another state and pay tax in another state, then in Georgia, you would get a credit for that. So Georgia had kind mm -hmm. of both a income reduced method and a credit method. But this makes sense. If they're taxing the pass-through entity at the entity level, then you're removing that income. So at the end of the day, the Georgia resident's only going to have on that Georgia return income that didn't come through the that pass through entity, and then that mm -hmm. would be the taxable income, so you wouldn't be double taxed. Yeah, it, Georgia's very ahead of the game, you know, on this one, and kind yeah. of already had an infrastructure set up yeah. to handle it. Um, because uh, for any amount of income in other states, if you're an owner of a pass through entity, they had both a system of claimant credit for taxes paid to other states and this subtraction yeah. similar to their own entity level tax. So, mm -hmm. likewise, if that multi state entity who's electing in Georgia, um, the Georgia resident uh, makes an election in another state and, mm -hmm. you know, utilizes a workaround in another state, it, they would not claim a credit for taxes paid to other states on their amount of income paid there, but take a subtraction for that other entity level tax. Right. And that's something right. Georgia just already had always in place did. and was yeah. always did, yeah. Yeah. So how do they make the election if someone wants to do this or if they well, first of all, I would say consult your tax advisor. This of is course. not tax advice on this podcast, uh, but consult your tax advisor. But uh, what do, what do they do? They Do they have to make an election before year end um, or how, how do they just qualify to get this benefit? Well, thankfully, Georgia makes things much more straightforward than a lot of other states do. Um, they make the election on the return. So, unfortunately, you know, we're getting towards the end of 2022 and sometimes you wish like states would release their forms already oh, so yeah. we could actually kind of see it. But yeah. um, the election's made on the return. And, OK, great. Uh, you know, maybe it'll be a checkbox or something. Yeah, but and does that include like that. does that include an extended due date of return? Uh, yes, it does. Yeah. yeah. OK, good. And so if someone um, said, you know, I'm not going to worry about that this year or don't listen to our podcast until it's too late. Um, is there any way uh, after the return is filed to get the benefit still or do you have to actually make sure you don't miss that that tax return deadline? You know, it's a one and done thing. It's not okay. revocable. So if you make it, uh, you could amend the return for other reasons, but this isn't one is. of them, unfortunately. Yeah. 
Another issue states kind of differ on. I think states just kind of want some finality in that. I mean, some allow for, you know, a little bit of revocation window in there if you want to unwind it. But unfortunately, Georgia is just not one. So when you make, you know, file that return for the year, just make sure that uh, this is the route you want to go or not go. Or not go. And do you make that election every year or just one time? This is an annual election. So if you don't want to elect in the next year, you don't have to. Okay. You're not bound by it, but uh, right. It's an election made every year, and um, I should bring this up too. It's a, an election binding on all owners of the entity, so uh. there's no mechanism there for individual owners could, to opt in or opt out to have their portion of the income tax there. Mm-hmm. Um, just a couple of states allow for some individual opt-in, opt-out, You know, not too many. Um, Georgia kind of joining the majority here. Yeah. So it seems like theirs is relatively straightforward and beneficial. Oh, one thing I'll just mention, too, if a partner is receiving retirement income, that Mm -hmm. retirement income under ERISA is coming through on that that K-1, there's federal overriding federal law that um, only allows the state of residence to tax that retirement income. And Georgia is one of the few states that actually address this in their past Mm -hmm. entity tax legislation. And so if you have residents of Georgia, they're getting this type of income, boy, it would be great to include that in the pass-through entity return and get a federal deduction on that income. But I believe Georgia carved that out and said you can't include that in the pass-through entity tax base. Isn't that right? Uh, that's correct. Yes. Uh, Georgia yeah. issued uh, some very robust regulations. You know, you kind of wish every other state uh, would yeah, finally yeah. come out with some very good guidance like this. Um, and that is an issue that they had addressed in there. So, you know, it's kind of an issue that you wish more states would address specifically um, because, you know, partnerships especially um, Mm -hmm. is just something, you know, you can commonly see. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like other than the retirement issue and other than you can't include your whole K-1 income being a resident, outside of those two issues, it it seems pretty favorable. Um, And then the other thing is that you can't amend, right, and go back. So the three things, I guess, that are not favorable is you got to make sure you don't miss that date of the return if you want to make the election. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as favorable to retire partners, um, and it's not as favorable as some states that allow you to include all the K-1 income. But other than that, it is pretty favorable, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, it so, is, right. Yeah. It, you know, it's not, you know, uh, a repeal of the salt cap, but, you know, it is some measure of relief for some taxpayers yeah. or some uh, some of their income, at least. Certainly the ones if they have, if there's a lot of taxable income and it's a mm-hmm. lot of taxable income sourced to Georgia, very beneficial. Yeah. And of course, if you're in a multi-state context, depending on what your business does, you know, uh, maybe a good time to look into your sourcing. And um, yes, that's a great point. If we can source yeah. more income to a state where you can get a federal benefit, as long as you're not increasing some tax somewhere else. Uh, it, it may be worth digging into sourcing because there can be a lot of gray in sourcing in the area yeah. of services and intangibles. And um, if there's a, if it's going to be taxed anyway, uh, if there's a way to apportion it to a state that offers an election versus one that doesn't, that could be very favorable too. So yeah, that's a that's a great. That point. could be a whole other podcast. Itself. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tony, this was really really helpful in understanding the Georgia pass through entity tax elections. I think that um, uh, definitely provides some some clarity on how it works. So I would just say that you want to reach out to your tax advisor if you are a pass through entity with lots of income, pass uh, and have lots of income in Georgia. 
uh, and may qualify. So we thank you for tuning in today. Please reach out if you have any further questions on your pass-through entity tax eligibility or any other state and local tax questions. It's been great to be with you today, and thank you so much, and thank you, Tony, for joining me. Thank you, Kathy.